Okay, welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast for the very first time, recording from the Cannes Film Festival. I'm sitting on a couch here with Ann Thompson from Thompson and Hollywood, and also for the very first time, another first, Nigel Smith, our managing editor, is joining us. So guys, we've been here for, I think, two days, but it feels like a week, maybe two weeks, Uh, and there's a lot more film festival to go, but already we've seen... So many different things, some good stuff, some not-so-good stuff, some stuff we disagree with and we'll probably never fully agree about. Uh, so let's start talking about it. And tell us about some of the movies that you've uh, responded to so far. Well, the big hit of the festival so far, which I don't think is what the people who are programming the festival necessarily want to hear, is <laughs> Mad Max <laughs> Fury Road. But you, Nigel, yeah. went to see the, um, the uh, gala screening, the and it was your first tonight. time. Tell, tell, you know, you yeah. had to put on your tux. I did, I did. Yeah, I'm let's a, get Mad Max out of the way. Yeah. I'm a gala virgin. It was a lot of fun. I got there right before they closed off the doors at 7.05 took my seat and uh it was great and your red bow tie passed mustard my my well it's actually maroon it's a maroon polka dot bow tie from american apparel and it got me in the door i was nervous though because of course eric cohen had to freak me out minutes before saying you might not not get in michael moore was turned away wearing the wrong thing really first time when i worked at the la weekly as a mere child uh, I wore black, but it wasn't good enough, and they wow. turned me away. Yeah, I heard it's looking time. out for you. No, thank you, thank you. I was sweating bullets on my way in, but uh, it's I. It's the best state of mind to be in when you go watch a movie like Mad Max. <laughs> How did it play? It played really well. There was a French couple next to me who were talking the entire movie, mm. so that kind of. Well, you get the the real folks in that big. You theater. get the real folks, and I was up in the balcony with the real people. But it's fun to watch the screen with, with the people coming up the red carpet, right? Oh, it was. It was. And I got there quite early, so I got to see everybody work the carpet, including Charlize Theron, who really worked it. I mean, there was that one point where everybody was walking up the steps, and instead of walking up the steps, she went the opposite direction, did a catwalk like she does in that Dior commercial, down to the opposite end to pick up her, uh, her husband. Is she married to Sean Penn? Are they just a couple? They're a couple. They're a couple. Okay, well, to pick him up. A rather important couple. A very couple. important couple. And, uh, and then she brought him on the red carpet, Especially and they posed a for a second time. But, I mean, she you was have to be him. careful there, because you're facing this wall of international camera people and press. I mean, that's sort of the fascinating thing about the red carpet at Cannes actually has a crazy amount of influence, and this being the world premiere for that movie. Or it's not the world premiere, it's actually... There was a premiere in L.A. In L.A. But but certainly for the sort of global media, this was the big moment for this movie. Well, she knows what she's doing. The whole Charlize Theron narrative around this movie is interesting. Mm -hmm. The feminist element. Well, first of all, she owns the movie. She does. She's incredible. She probably on some level knocks Tom Hardy off the screen. Because he has a very recessive, sort of passive Well, he also doesn't say anything in the movie. People are comparing her to uh, Sigourney Weaver's character in in, uh, Ripley in the Alien. Right. Mm -hmm. I read a piece about why she's actually more, uh, why Furiosa, is it Emperosa? Imperator. Imperator. Furiosa, Furiosa uh, is a stronger and then the female character is than the name of the car. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But she, but she's, you know, she's really, she worked out. She's really strong. She takes the big shot. I mean, it's there's a, it's very strong for women. This this movie. I hope women go to see it. Yeah. It's not. It's violent in a in a, but it's it's action choreographed 
in a beautiful way. It really is. With incredible style. Yeah. We actually, we weren't able to talk about this before that much because of the stupid embargo. I think the, the, the embargo yeah. dropped right, right before Right after our last. Thanks, so, Warner Brothers. I don't know if this was a can thing or, or what it is, but now, obviously, there's a ton of anticipation around this movie. But what's actually really cool is, is how broad the anticipation is. Mm-hmm. It's there's wonderful. A, the fanboy element driving certain kinds of enthusiasm for it, but also there's a generational element with people who Because I grew, grew up, up on with it. the films. Exactly. I interviewed Mel Gibson for, for the first Mad Max. Yeah. That's how you old I am. You have filmmakers who grew up on those <laughs> movies who are now like Guillermo del Toro identified. Was it his most him. anticipated of a Cannes Film Festival that's according what, to you last that, night? That's what he said. That's that what he said. If he... The line that he said he to me... He says he's a god. He said if he was, if the world was ending and he could only take one movie to, to his shelter, it, he would forget about, you know, Renoir and... It would be and, the Road Warrior. Yeah, it would be the Road Warrior. <laughs> I'm with I him. Yeah. Well, I have the a Road Warrior is one of the great films. This is my first Mad Max movie. Well, I told you Last it movie. would hold up all right without it. You don't well, have to yeah, see it. Yeah, of course it does. It, it, it's, it's a standalone film. to some degree by, by the story that came before, but only in the slimmest sense because... So much of this movie is internalized and visually driven. Mm-hmm. It could be a silent movie. And in fact... I kind of wish it was. Well, Miller said that Kevin Brownlow's book about the history of silent film was what inspired him to make these movies in the mm-hmm. first place. He wanted to make something that was more visual than anything else. And what's so great about it is that it's the 70-year-old director has made a better action movie than... A lot of younger action. Now he has set a brand new standard uh, to meet, and and he's used the uh, technology. It isn't about CGI, although yeah. he uses that to get rid of wires and enhance, and he speeds up the, the you know the the, the, the action and lots mm-hmm. of play. I was very aware of that on the second viewing, but what what he's doing is he's he's apparently the actors were feeling rather badly used, and uh, because he was well, inside no a truck. And he was manipulating this multiple action across multiple planes, and you know the the he, he they devised a, a thing that would allow these pole vaulters to be mm-hmm. safe and, and to sure. go over and an incredible amount of action, and the actors were suffering. And, and he's he, a and craftsman. Tell him what happened. Well, at yeah, the press well, I was at the conference. press conference today, and the actors suffered so much that he actually um, Tom kind Hardy. of well, Tom Hardy. First, first, Tom Hardy actually apologized for his behavior on set. You know that was rumored to be quite bad, and it was rumored that him and Charlize didn't really get along on set because of that. So he first apologized uh, to that, and then George Miller took to the mic, and he didn't really offer an apology, but he really did pay tribute to his actors for putting up with you know his methods. But I would say there's a difference between that and what I've seen, for example, with. A Lars von Trier press conference when people ask him about his methods and they're they're sort of complaining that he's difficult to work with because with Miller, I mean, real, really, I think that's almost like it's a casualty of, of just how committed he is to the sort of world that he's building. It's not that he's some sort of you know. Oh, lunatic. he's a genial fellow. Yeah, he wasn't trying. He wasn't trying to do that. Whereas von Trier, I think. You know, or other other directors actually do want to, to some degree, kind of mess with their. Yeah. That's different. That's about pulling performances totally. out of people. These people were on their own. They I were mean, they were doing little bits of action, which is difficult yeah. to sustain as an actor. My takeaway was that he's kind of a teddy bear. He's lovely, he's a sweetheart. I had an interview with him that was he made so much babe. fun. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> and Babe Pig in the City, which is not so cute. I love Babe. Pig <laughs> love that film. And but Happy dark Feet. And, and Happy Feet. Also very a bit sweet. dark. A little, little dark, yeah, turns dark. 
So maybe in other words, go see this movie. No, but at the press screening, the applause came three times. Wow. And that never happened. I got to say, the standing ovation, from what I've heard, you know, the standing ovation at the, uh, the gala premiere was not through the roof. What do you mean? You were there. I was there. Um, oh, I see what you mean. I mean, well, I've heard of standing ovations going on for 20 minutes plus. This was a five-minute standing ovation. Yeah, People that's normal. get out of the theater. That's normal. That's well, I guess sensed. before, this is a good segue into talking about other films at the festival, but before we do, the biggest question I would have at this juncture is the Oscar one, because these kinds of movies sometimes get into the conversation. Certainly the technical categories are, I would say, all by That's guarantee. It. It's in. That's it. It's director? in. It's probably no. best picture. It's probably best director. Picture. Production really? design, costume design, well, Hollywood visual them. effects. Um, like you said in your story, he does score. I think it depends on whether the movie's a commercial hit, and we have no idea. It doesn't matter that much, because this is a... For the big awards, it has I think the, it uh, When you look at the average... Uh, reviews that this is getting. It's up in the 80s. Yeah. It's it's way up there. The critics groups at the end of the year, imagine what they're going to do. They're going to give it to this movie. Really? This movie is is beloved. It, and it will be respected by the Academy. It'll be in the conversation. I mean, I think the but box maybe office not may acting. make a that's, that's the question. It may be one of those things like with Avatar where acting Exactly. This is in that category. Something. Yeah, but Avatar... The reason Avatar was in that category, I'd argue, is largely because of its popularity as well. That's true. It was a blockbuster. Same I doubt with, that this know, will be a blockbuster. Knight. But this will be successful enough. I hope so. No, sometimes actually being too successful is a negative. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Okay. It's better to have a prestigious, successful movie than a blockbuster comic book movie mm-hmm. that, that's, that's too popular. So I should point out, when we do the next... Can podcast it'll actually be live from the American Pavilion next Thursday. We'll have a ton more can movies to talk about, and maybe there will be other Oscar contenders in the conversation. But so far, we haven't seen any. No, of those. Carol would be the most likely the prospect coming yeah. up. And we, there was a Weinstein Company presentation. They usually do a dog and pony show every year at the Majestic, and Harvey was on his game. Jake mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal was there. Sienna Miller was there. What did he Alicia say about Vikander. Jake Gyllenhaal? That he, he said he'll get his Oscar this year that he was robbed for <laughs> on Nightcrawler. You heard it here first. Typical Harvey. Typical. Well, what he, he's he saying is we're going right. to do a campaign. <laughs> it's happening. For him. But and, there's also this Denis Villeneuve speaking of, of, of Jake Gyllenhaal, who, who worked with him on, on uh, Enemy, uh, that people are buzzing about. I'm so Sicario. excited for his new That film. could be a possibility. It's a possibility. That, that looks like it's in the, in the zone. And, and it's Lionsgate. And then uh, Searchlight picked up the Sorrentino Youth, which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Sure. But that movie, English language, as it is. I the heard one, from somebody one, it's, it's very you know high style, like one might expect. It's not going to necessarily blow people away, but mm-hmm. it's very well done. The I, I prefer gorgeous. to see the film before I, I pass oh, too please. much you, buzz you on it. You have sources just like <laughs> No, 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 no. The, the buzz on Sicario is very good. But, but I will say um, that uh, Matteo Garone's first English language effort, Oof. Tale of Tales, Did not expect will it to be an Oscar not movie. be an Oscar contender. No, In fact, it's man. one of the worst can movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, come on. The person next to blindness. me, it's up there with Southland journalist who sat next to me walked out saying it was the worst film he's ever seen screening competition at the Cannes Film Festival oh, in I know 20 said that. years. And that's, that's over the top. I mean, one of the things I, I don't trust at Cannes is hyperbole because we're all exhausted. We're rushing from screen to screen. We're not exhausted not on the yet. second day of the festival. Not yet. I'm still feeling Jet pretty chipper, and I didn't care for the movie. I would say, actually, the movie that was more harmed during the start of the festival by that kind of 
reaction process is the Hirokazu Koreeda film because his movies are so subtle. They're lighter than light in some ways, but they have these deeper implications. Uh, the movie is called Our Little Sister, and, and Sony Pictures Classics actually picked it up. Presumably because they think it will be an Oscar submission. Yeah, but country. it's a very minor key movie, and so I think some people you know, probably snoozed through it, and other people were just sort of ready to rush off to another screening. The Garone movie, I don't think it's perfect. I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than you guys, and I think that it's essentially kind of this wacky genre movie, and it's an allegory, and in that sense, it's a lot of fun. I felt a like fairy it was, tale genre yeah, movie. Yeah, Princess Bride by way of Tim Burton was sort of how I got into it. It doesn't always work. It's sort of wobbly. It's an anthology movie. It's hard Those to tell are. what the hell is going on. Well, I, I knew what was going on. Uh, Toby how Jones raises a flea. How do you the kings uh, so they are all <laughs> in the same scenes together? Have There's you a lot seen of Game of Thrones? There are multiple kingdoms in this. But it's kingdom. the same. But it's the same kingdom. castle. It's the same castle. Well, it's it's the same land. Maybe it's may, maybe they're supposed to be different castles, but he didn't do a good job of. I think that's part of the problem. Well, maybe it was the you have to establish <laughs> that Night's <laughs> Landing is different from Winterfell. I'm not concerned by that logic because <laughs> the movie opens with a premise involving a king who has to kill a sea monster so his wife can devour its heart. I'm not holding this thing up to that kind of intense scrutiny. He's, he's wearing a suit underwater, and how the hell is he breathing? I, these things don't concern me because it's a fairy tale. What I, what I found really interesting about the movie is that basically it's, it's this really flamboyant kind of satire of the way that powerful people can have an impact on the fantasies of the masses. Flamboyant Another, makes it sound funny. It's not funny. It, it's, it's hilarious. Nobody laughed in the theater. Uh, people were chuckling around no, I didn't me. Hear I, I'm, I guarantee you this movie will find some audiences that Cult. are supportive like this. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm Microscopically not, so. I'm not going to overstate it though because a week from now I, I'm sure there are other things that will be much stronger. In fact, a day later, I saw something I'm much more enthusiastic about, which is this Hungarian drama called Son of Saul. So they're in two different categories. I would say with the Garone, I do enjoy fighting for it because I, I believe strongly that there are other people who will continue to have a good time with something like this. And it's, it's liberating in some ways to see a movie that's kind of goofy, you know, silly approach to, to telling a story and dealing with mythology and different kinds of feelings that people have in a way that's it's entertaining. And that's sort of, that's what I go to midnight movies for. And I think it has a little bit of that in its DNA. It's not as strong as reality or Gamora. I liked both of them much, much he's better. He's a better filmmaker than he's, what this movie is. I'll give you he's that. He's in English. That's the issue. Maybe there's some... You predicted this wasn't yeah, going to be good. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid I was worried about it. All right, so the um, the the one you're just talking about is directed by a guy who used to first work time for Bella Tarr. Yeah, first time uh, Hungarian director. He was a, the AD on Tarr's film. It's the the story of, of a guy who works in Auschwitz, Birkenau, and, and his job is basically to clean up after the uh, gas chambers. Um, and you, well, one of the things that was worth comparing this movie to is, is the, the sequence that was much maligned in Schindler's List where prisoners were shepherded into what seems to be a gas chamber and turns out to be you know, gasp, uh, a shower, and, mm -hmm. and there's this sort of sentimental uplift of sorts, which was always sort of a problem for me with this movie. And, and this, uh, this film doesn't smother you in despair the whole time. There is some sense of, you know, something good could come out of this situation because it's actually a survival story. 
but at the same time it feels much more like you're really there in this hopeless environment and how do you get from being completely hopeless to a place of possible catharsis and what basically happens in, over the course of the movie is this guy discovers a body he thinks it's his long lost son and he wants to find a rabbi to help him bury, bury the child and over the course of the story he also encounters people who are planning a revolt so is he in it for himself or he's, does he want to be a part of the, the revolt but the way that it's shot the whole movie is really like this extreme close up lots of long takes it reminded me of Children of Men it's mm. actually a thrilling holocaust drama I've never seen anything like yeah, that that's before worth checking out and then. it's a first feature so I think strong possibility this jury gives this movie something Palm d'Or might be a little bit too extreme because we haven't seen a lot of stuff and a lot of times that may that would go to maybe a, a bigger movie of sorts but I could see them giving it like you were saying to me earlier, it could get the camera door for first feature. It could get the runner-up prize. In any case, I think it's the first real serious contender for something in the competition that we've seen. But again, there's a lot more to come. I mean, what else? What else have we have we checked out so far? There's been other screenings. Well, I saw the opening night film from Emmanuel Berko, and that I, was and an I, interesting and choice. I thought it was a very strong film, uh, With a great beautifully acted from a young by French social realist this drama. Rod Peridot, yeah, he's who never you acted before. I interviewed him. He was so cute. Um, I think he's 15, 16. He's not cute in the movie. Character. <laughs> no, He's no. a juvenile delinquent juvenile who's very delinquent, volatile and violent. But this kid was just discovered on the street outside of Lisi, which I think is a French uh, high school, and um, approached to, to, to audition. He auditioned, got the role, and he's phenomenal. He reminds me of Jack O'Connell in Startup. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Young, character throbbing with rage so much scene. rage but a lot of vulnerability reminded me a lot yeah. of the kid in last year's uh, mummy well the movie well. is a lot like mommy and, 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 like and in mommy. comparison yeah. mommy's a better film and with the mother and the and the son mm-hmm. but but in this case the other family figure is the judge yeah. played by Catherine Deneuve and she's so good one of her best roles in years and she's she's in the whole movie i and mean it's a great. very important it, it fits role fits her well cuz she's fits a her very she has authority and she she but essentially in some ways she actually raises this in kid. many ways and the counselor who he has there's so many people trying to save this kid, yeah. and we don't really know if he's saved or not. I thought that it was a really strong bounce back because last year, the movie that opened is now going to air on Lifetime, so <laughs> that's not going to happen to this one, whether or not it gets any. I think it was a not. bounce back for the Weinsteins also, because yeah. they have two strong films, at least they look good, well, they on, look good. In, in competition, um, uh, Macbeth and uh, Carol. And uh, according to Harvey, Southpaw was accepted in the festival. And, uh, what? Yes. And uh, they he, decided not to show it because Jake was on the jury. Really? So th- that well, was, they couldn't. And then he said wouldn't. he was going to show it to the press. Oh, and that's to, crazy. Uh, uh, other, I mean, he was playing the room, which was full of buyers as well. So um, he may have spoken out of turn because mm-hmm. his people were like, what? We're setting a screening? Where? When? You know, so we'll have to follow up on that and see if it Yeah, you stay true. on him. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on my experience, Standing Tall is the best opening night film I've seen. Mind you, the only opening night films I've seen so far were Grace of Monaco and The Great Gatsby. Oh, dear. Not a really high bar. But yeah. they've also opened with The Da Vinci Code and stuff. I mean, the only that really the great one I've seen in my time coming was Up. 
that was a great choice. And now we have Inside Out, which Anne, you've seen, we haven't. Should that have been in competition? Or, I think or so. And I mean, here's the thing. I mean, they, they, they are you allowed they, to talk about the fact that you've seen it? I'm allowed to say that I saw it. At oh. Cinemacon, it's no secret. It's and in there. and uh, and and I ha- there is an embargo uh, in terms of of, of reviews uh, on it. So but, you have to um, read between the lines I to figure feel, out if she liked it. Uh, <laughs> very strongly, though. Read the tone. There, they, she there loved should it. be room for documentaries and. Uh, incredibly good uh, animated features, um, which rise to the level of art, and they should not be, uh, you know, put in some ghetto somewhere, which means out of competition or whatever it is. Well, if Amy turns out to be as good as we're hearing it is, then I think we're going to be having the same conversation. Once well, again. every once in a while they let one in, but it, it's rare. Although the Can Classic section. To be fair, is all documentaries, and you've seen the Kent Jones one on Hitchcock Truffaut, which is quite good, good, right? Quite good, and it's more accessible um, and quite fun. I mean, of course, I'm a wonk. I I grew up on this stuff, but uh, he uh, he made it he made it fun because he has David Fincher and and Martin Scorsese and Wes Anderson and all these people talking about Hitchcock in rather intelligent ways. How in terms is Anderson? Of filmmaking. Is Anderson actually influenced by Hitchcock in some, in some? He was. He was. He was. He 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 had a good insights. Um, the one who was really surprisingly articulate and passionate was Fincher. I, hmm. I was. I was. I don't um, forgive me. He's he's not the best interview in the world, David mm-hmm. Fincher, but um, he was remarkably uh, in tune with Hitchcock and what he's doing and and why he's doing it and how he's doing it and how it affected his work as a filmmaker. I was pretty impressed. I find it uh, telling that Can programs a movie uh, by Hitchcock, but doesn't show a lot of genre stuff. You have to look beyond the official selection to find those things. The Midnight Selection has what three movies in it. One of which is Gaspar Noe's nearly three-hour 3D apparently porn movie, which isn't exactly a midnight movie so much as they had a slot open and it was a late edition. It was a way to handle a movie they couldn't show at a gala. But I have to tell you, that is probably the most anticipated movie. No question. No question. Not an Oscar movie. And that's by the press. By the press. By everybody I've talked to, not just industry people are are trying to get tickets to that midnight screening, which will be over at 3 a.m., and will probably be a memorable night no matter what happens. But the other thing that's going on is that there's a whole lot of people who are freaking out that they can't see the finale of Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a writer in um, our apartment who files for the New York Times. He does all the Mad Men reviews. Very talented, he's been scrambling. He's been scrambling. To get a But get he a has link. a potential solution, which I think is really out. funny. He figured it out. And it can. Everything is about sort of, you know, getting down to the wire so it fits yeah. right in in that sense. They missed an opportunity. They should have done something for the finale of that show. Here. No, the American Pavilion did it for, uh, they've done it twice, as I recall. They There have been basketball games. There was the finale of Twin Peaks, the finale of Seinfeld hmm. they did. this, But those are easier to get than uh, a cable show on AMC at this <laughs> stage, especially when the producers are trying to protect the content before it airs. So speaking of American Pavilion, what are the other American films here that were worth talking about? There's the Woody Allen movie, Irrational Man, which screens on Tomorrow Friday. Night. Yep. I've seen it. I can't really talk about it yet, but I think that you know it, it makes sense that there's a Woody Allen movie at the festival this year. And 
I am curious to see how other people respond to it. It's not an acquisition title, so it's not the same. Yeah. Sony Pictures Classics yeah. has it. I would not consider it a major award season player. Sea of Trees is a big one. That's a which finally American got film. picked got up picked by, up by Roadside. Roadside. Last time we spoke, I, I mentioned that it had screened for buyers, and the response was fairly strong. My my that's the Gus Van Sant yeah. with Matthew McConaughey and, and the Ken Watanabe planning to kill himself. So maybe not the easiest commercial. Mm. So probably not. But McConaughey's been making such interesting choices lately that there's got to be something there worth checking out. And Gus Van Sant's a great filmmaker when he chooses the right material. Yes, he's consistently good. He is. What else are we excited about? We've got now... I'm excited for tomorrow morning's premiere, The Lobster. Yorgos Lanthimos's English language debut starring Colin Farrell, John C. Riley. I mean, the premise is just so out there, like all of his films, but this one sounds even more so. I've been trying to lower the bar so that I like it because I I saw Dogtooth here and have been such a fanboy for his stuff ever since that I'm I'm nervous, especially with the the kind of mixed bag of the Garone movie. Again, I enjoyed it, but it didn't totally work. With a, with a filmmaker working in English language for the first time with a name cast. It's risky. They both have John C. Riley actually. And uh, I don't know. I mean, his style is, is so bizarre. And it's this high concept premise that may or may not hold together. But with Can, it's such a strange set of reasons why any given movie could be in a slot like that. Why is it in competition? People always assume, well, if it's in competition, there must be a specific reason that could be either quality-wise or it could be a political reason. Or the red carpet. Right. Why is it out of competition? Why I mean, was... look at the jury. If, if Harvey had Jake Gyllenhaal and Sienna Miller uh, presenting at, at this dog and pony show, did he have some influence on them being on the jury mm. this year? I mean, there's all sorts of relationships and back padding and and uh, log rolling going on. In any case, it still log looks rolling. like a pretty good year. And I'm happy to report that I seem to have figured out a way to work Miguel Gomez's six-hour, three-part Arabian Nights into my schedule. <laughs> Better you than me. I've been talking it up for a while because I've just been so excited about it. Now, whether or not this experience holds together or not, I think it's going to be a fascinating project. Gomez has been a filmmaker who's been generating a kind of cult following on the festival circuit for a while. Well, let's talk about it after we've seen it. Yeah, and I, and I can dig into it more then, but, but I will say that it's those kinds of things that really excite me about Cannes even more so than the things that might continue to have a big theatrical life that could be a part of award season. As we were saying before, with love, those are the kinds of things that, that, that are really going to happen. Well, we want to be here. shocked and we want to see something new. We want to see something different. Which is why Mad Max is the best film we've seen so far. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why the Garone movie was so enjoyable, because I never knew what it was going to happen. Oh, uh, Tune in next week. We can, we can talk about that more. <laughs> we'll just spend the whole podcast trying to figure out if I can get you to agree with me about one part of this movie. <laughs> okay. Um, it looked pretty. On that note. We're going to go to a party. Let's do All this. right. Let's do it. Thank you.